No Ketchup Chicago. Good, my people. Welcome into No Catch Up Sports Talk via Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little. Big Nick the Quick will be joining me shortly. It is not Victory Tuesday. Not even close. Bears got absolutely dismantled at home against the Saints. You already know the story. The team is in shambles. The offense is in shambles. The defense quit. Everything is moving in the wrong direction for the Chicago Bears right now. Big Nick the Quick's on the road. I'm going to get straight to it. I gave him a call, talked about the Bears, what we thought about the game, what we have to do going forward. Big Nick the Quick was in rare form like usual. I let him do most of the talking. He was feeling some type of way on the road. Ricky O'Donnell, SB Nation, then joins me to talk about the Bulls. The Bulls tip off the season in Charlotte on Wednesday night. They're actually favored to win by a couple points. We talk about Kobe White, the pace he brings, the new, the new age basketball mindset that the Bulls have seemed to pick up. We have direction now. We're picking up analytical, positive players, darlings, as O'Donnell called them. Where are the shots for Laurie going to come from? That was a big talking point me and Ricky hit on. Will the defense be better? What's the best case scenario? No catch up Chicago, sports talk. Lock in. Big Nick the Quick on the line, working and working on the pod. What's good, baby? What's going on? Let's break down these bears. You know, we usually go on Tuesday. That's when this pod will be dropping. And I needed this extra time this week. Because if I was to hop yeah. on the mic like Sunday night, I would have. my takes would have been so scorching that they would have, they would, I would have sounded like a crazy person, honestly. Because <laughs> I would, I would have said some, some real, real outlandish things. I believe I had a couple beverages, but um, you guys saw it. Well, I already, you, you saw, you saw what I said. I started drinking around ten thirty. Yeah, you was, yo. <laughs> For those who don't follow Quick on Twitter, first off, you need to follow him at and Harvey. What ten eighty six? Ten eighty six. Yep. He tweeted before the Bears game started drinking in preparation for Mitch. You you already knew what was coming. Oh yeah, I was on a Sunday morning. Uh, I was on the Sunday morning uh, Sunday morning cycle of you know pouring a few early, and I had drank it the night before. So it's not even like I was, you know, fully, fully on it. But I was like, I already know what's going to happen in a few hours. I was fully prepared. I did not feel good going into this game at all. So I was like, let me let me go ahead and start pouring up to ease the pain. And it actually worked. So for anybody else out here that feels like you still got to watch, what is it, 10 more games? 10 more, 10 more Chicago Bears games. Most of them will feature Mitch Trubisky, um, you know, barring a miracle. Uh, so go ahead and start drinking early. Because it definitely makes it. Even my girl was like, "Man, you're very calm during all this." I was like, it makes I, you I not really know. care. It is what it is. It's I like didn't care. this is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. I I think it also depends on your personality. I think me and you, me and your personality is very similar. That it's kind of like a shrug. But some people start wilding, like the dudes in the stands that start like trying yeah. to fight people and stuff. It's a little different, but no, yeah. I wasn't there. I'm, I'm so I'm. You know what? To be honest with you, and this is probably my my statement on this team this year. I'm so past that. I think after London, even probably even before London, I was just like, whatever, man. This team isn't good. Hundred percent. That's exactly right. Yeah, I'm done. You can go yeah, back so to Denver. I've seen what I, I needed to see. The story's been written on this Bears team. I have, and people be like, oh, we were three and three last year. Like, no, I don't. I don't want to hear it. This is a different three and three. Yeah, way different. Yeah. Give me your uh, give me your three takeaways from the game. We'll break yours down, and we can break mine. We'll go one and one. But yeah, let's just talk through how we're feeling. Period. So yeah, I kind of said this to you last year, but why? Or yesterday, I'm sorry, but why? Why aren't they running the ball with Mitch Trubisky? So I think one of the reasons that he was relatively successful last year 
is and the biggest revelation about him was man this dude can flat out run the ball right like he's not Lamar Jackson but he's definitely in that top five you know of running the ball type quarterbacks and I feel like we had a lot of success with that whether it was designed runs and also when the plays would start breaking down he would take off so I feel like this year we we haven't I mean the regression is so real on Mitch Trubisky at this point that like you can't point to any area of his game in which he is the same or improved. It has all gone backwards. And again, his biggest asset last year was his ability to take off. I mean, some of those runs last year were like, oh man, when all else fails, this dude has wheels, right? And Nagy kind of catered the offense to that. Whereas this year, just not even the case, man. I mean, I, I haven't seen him run. And don't tell me about the injury. That's a shoulder injury. His legs were just fine. So he needs to be running the football. Um, that's first. So do you want you wanted me to give you one, and we're gonna talk about no, it? yeah, let, exactly. Give you all three of mine. No, yeah, okay, well, we'll yeah. let's talk about this first one. Now that's I hear you. On I hear yeah. you. I hear you loud and clear because you got to play to your guys' strengths. But I'm gonna talk out of both sides of my mouth here already, right? I get it. He needs to be running the ball, no doubt about it. Last year, he had what? Almost, I think he had plus 400 yards on the ground last year. But at the end of the day, he can't run that thing like Jamar, uh, Lamar Jackson. So, like, no. that is, those are still just ways to kind of hide that he can't play quarterback in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Like, I agree with what you're saying because this is who we have. Mitch Trubisky is going to be the quarterback. So, I guess play to his strengths and run the football some more, and maybe that'll open up different things. But every time we start to have a conversation like that, for me, I always instantly go long-term because that's just not sustainable for Mitch Trubisky. Is running the ball, if Lamar Jackson stays healthy, sustainable, and building an offense around that sustainable in Baltimore? Dude, he's a different talent. Mitch Trubisky's generational. A, yeah, Mitch Trubisky's a decent runner that can't that can't throw the ball. So yeah, I get you. Maybe that would be a a, a patch him up something that we can work on and do right now for some success right now. But every time I, I always think long term and big picture with the Bears with the Bulls, and him running more is going to do nothing for us in the grand scheme. But I mean. Whatever we have to do to not to not have what a hundred total yards in the first half type of deal, you know what I mean? And that's what I counter it with is well, hey, I understand we want to. First off, I mean we're, we don't even want to. I'm not looking at the development aspect of it, right? You have a team that theoretically is set up to win now, so I, I don't really care about his development as a quarterback anymore. If we're being completely honest, you got to do what's going to move the chain, and the things that you're doing right now are not moving the chains at all, right? They're just not moving the chains at all. So I would say, would you rather watch Mitch do these little three-yard dump-offs or would you rather have him run it for six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards, right? I mean, I think at this point, you got to throw the injury concerns out the window. you got to throw the development concerns out the window. You even got to throw some of the personnel things, knowing that you do have some good talent at wide receiver and places like that. But just say, fuck it, and say, hey, look, man, the best chance for us to get a first down and to keep our defense off the field is Mitch Trubisky running the ball. That's fine. And a lot of times last year, that opened up some stuff for him. Now, I think the biggest difference between this year and last year is last year we had some concerns about his deeper ball accuracy, um, especially on the deep balls. This year we have concerns about his mid-range accuracy. I don't. I haven't even seen him throw a deep ball. I cannot tell you when they were. Maybe he has. Maybe he hasn't. But you know, again, if you want to open up something for him, let's have him run the ball. Let's keep that threat open, right? That keeps defenses on their toes. They don't prepare for that. But when you have defenders saying, I think it was what was it two three weeks ago? Hey, we just got to make sure that we put the ball in Mitch's hands and, and make him decide the game. I mean, that is telling. So fuck throwing the ball. If you got to move the chains at this point, I mean, the offensive performance is was was just pathetic, absolutely pathetic. And it, 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 again, it's almost like a different level of pathetic. It was so bad that that it was so bad, so bad, inexcusable, awful, inexcusable. Not even they they came out and the first play they ran was a fucking option. Yo, that was 
I tweeted that. I was like, man, we're we're we're, we're out here running the option. It, it's just run the damn ball. Line up in the I formation and hand the damn ball up instead of doing an option with Tariq Cohen. It was like Nagy's game plan was let's find all these interesting ways to get Tariq Cohen involved today. And it's like, no, we're not there. That, we're not there. Yeah. So run run the ball with Mitch Trubin. That brings me to my second point. What in the fuck was Matt Nagy doing? What are we doing here? That's my second point. No, is literally, facts. what in the fuck is Matt Nagy doing? What are we doing here? What's going on? What are we trying to accomplish? Why are we running options? Why are we running the option? College teams, Nebraska doesn't even run the option anymore. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. He's he's just trying anything. Anything, but why? And it makes me, what what is the program here? What is the game plan? I mean, did you, because you script your first 15 plays. Everybody does it. So that means at one point in time before this game, Matt Nagy sat down and said, you know what I'm going to run in my first offensive play? I'm going to run the option to Dariq Cohen. And everybody in the room said, you know what, Matt, that's a great idea. (laughs) <laughs> where is mark helfrick does mark helfrick exist i haven't heard him say a thing is that guy available what does he do and co- what does he coach what's his purpose let's get him out of there because he's not if his job is to develop the quarterback and things like that and Nagy calls the plays well where's helfrick i haven't even heard mark helfrick's name i'm gonna be honest with you i don't know what he looks like I, I, Mark Helfrick could get in my car right now <laughs> sit down and be like, hey, do you know who I am? And I'd be like, I have no fucking idea who you are. I've never seen you before. And I haven't missed a minute of Bears football this year. So, so riddle me that. What does he do? What does Nagy do? And who scripted an option? I mean, I, what we, are we doing? We, we legit have the worst offense in the league. It's, the it's, worst offense in the league. It's, it's plain and simple. To, the only the only thing that's saving us statistically is the absolute bomb that Darnold dropped last night. But and I have yeah. that set the Jets back a little bit in the ratings, but I'm sorry. They they were starting fucking whoever at quarterback before Darnold came back. You know what I mean? And don't talk about Miami. They're not even trying to win ball games. Of teams that actually have a starting quarterback and players in place, we are the worst. Now hear me out here. So I'm gonna I hear you, cause cause when I'm watching the game, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, yo, what what is going on here? Like, what are we doing here, right? Going into the game, we talked about how the Saints. Remember, I think it's even two weeks ago. We're like, man, I'm glad we're playing New Orleans at home because this is going to be a tough game. But we got a chance to win it because we're back at the crib. And the last team I saw at the crib was against the Vikings, and that was a different Bears team, suffocating. Just Minnesota looked like a college squad. They could, they had absolutely no answer for us, right? So I'm thinking, hey, we're going to get back home. We're going to do that. We're going to play that type of way. And I think a lot of people felt like that. What I saw from Nagy with running the ball five times in the first half, after I rewatched the game, after our best run in the first half, I think Tariq picked up like 10 or 11 yards. I, I think it was less than that because then they went to Trey Burton. And the only reason I remember this is because I was so happy that Trey Burton even caught the ball and was was it was in the offense in any type of way, shape, or form. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, Tariq for nine, Trey Burton for, for four, first down. Let's mix it up here. We threw the ball every single play to close out the half. We ran the ball five times in the first half. The only the only thing this has a little bit of a conspiracy theory feel to it, but the only way that I can explain Matt Nagy and what he's doing is that he's purely trying to expose Mitch Trubisky. Like remember how remember how we went from he's trying to protect Mitch Trubisky with like the Denver game and the Green Bay game and how conservative and very, very straightforward everything was. The only thing that I can think of now that he would throw it that many times is that, hey, this it needs to be very clear that this guy is not the answer. 
I, I don't see any other reason why he would do that. First off, I know he wants to throw it first anyway. He's coming from from Andy Reid's tree. He's an ex quarterback. He wants to. Th- he's an arena league guy. He wants to throw the ball anyway, right? So especially so, then I come out and I hand the ball off to Montgomery in the second half, and he fumbles it. He's like, man, enough of this shit. I'm gonna start throwing the ball. And if did, did you check? Did you catch his press conference by chance? I heard bits and I heard bits and pieces of him. He pretty much said after that fumble, I, I abandoned the run, which is incredible. Well, incredible. that that and the the biggest thing that stuck out for me was at one point he even said, "Man, maybe we could start throwing it to set up the run." I'm like, "Yo, did are you you're kidding me, right?" Yeah, like that has to be yeah. some type of a troll move. You're gonna throw the ball to set up the ass, run. Your quarterback it's is like, averaging gonna, three and a half shooting. yards a pass. How, what do you it's mean like you're saying, gonna? We're gonna start shooting. We're gonna start shooting three pointers to uh, feed the post. <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> it makes no you know sense I mean? whatsoever. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I I, I don't get it. I, and I I hear you and I echo you. I, I was just watching the game. Like, what are we doing here? But the only thing I can think of is. He's like, man, let's – I think he's just going back to the to the play sheet, the BU sheet, and he's like, let's just see if this guy has it at all, and he doesn't. Well, next week that sheet should say be somebody else. Because <laughs> be, being you being, – be, I, I, I thought of that when they first showed that. I was like, this BU shit really needs to stop. Um, cause it needs to, he needs to be somebody else, but yeah, offensively, just a, an absolute disaster. Um, literally just atrocious, hard to watch. I was laughing at certain points during the game cause it was just so bad. And I'm just like, we, 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 there's, and it's just like the, it was eerily similar to the green Bay game in which the game is like a three, a one possession game, but we're playing as if we're down by 21. Exactly. Right. And it's like, Hey, the second we go down, I'm going to throw away the, the scripted plays, which, again, if you call an option on your first play of the game, maybe you should. But we're just going to start chucking the ball all over the place and see what happens because I honestly believe that being you to me means abandoning the run and seeing how much I can throw it and see what happens. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous, which brings me to my third point, right? And last week I, was, I, was, I eased up on the defense a little bit. I'm going to be somewhat critical of them this week, right? Because in the second half, they completely laid down. But they laid down after watching the first half. What was it, 12 to 9 going into halftime? It was a three-point game, and y'all couldn't give us a field goal. Y'all couldn't give us a single touchdown. Thank God for Cordero Patterson uh, returning that ball, or else it would have been 12 to nothing, and uh, or 12 to 3, or whatever it would have been. Yeah, twelve ten um, in the first half. So I, think, I think eventually, as a defensive play, they stopped putting pressure on the quarterback. They gave up twenty four points in the second half. I think eventually they looked at the game and said, "What the fuck? This? What's the point? What is the point of going out there busting our ass, trying to bust somebody else's ass, knowing that we're going to be back on the field within forty five fucking seconds because we're throwing the ball, we're not chewing up any clock at all?" They just said, "Fuck it, I'm done." Forget about it. I don't want to be here. This is terrible. Yeah, so I mean, the defense laid down. The defense 100% laid down and quit in the second half, right? They didn't play outstanding in the first half, but I, I told you I'm on points. I'm big on points. And they gave up 12 points. So, I mean, hey, look. You sit there, you watch your offense time and time again. Keep putting you on the field. You watch your quarterback overthrow Wide open receiver after wide open receiver. And those overthrows, we cannot minimize those. Those were at crucial points in the ball game when the game was still close. When the game was still winnable, one of those plays could have led to a fucking field goal that maybe would have tied up the game or put us up one again. I don't know the exact score going into all that. But those were first half overthrows. First half overthrows. And they're replaying them for you for you to see. And again, you know what I found was even funny? Aikman and a lot of these quarterbacks who start calling 
are very hesitant to be critical of other quarterbacks, right? You just notice it. They don't want to criticize a quarterback. They find any other reason to find out why certain things got, went wrong other than blame on the quarterback. Aikman was speechless. He didn't know what else to say other than to blame Mr. Trubisky. Didn't. Yeah, that's a good point. When the quarterbacks, when the quarterback announcers and color guys start criticizing quarterbacks, that's how you know it's bad because none of these guys will ever criticize quarterbacks. Yo, it's After so while, funny. It's so funny because you'll see like a wild ass catch from a from a great wide receiver, and they'll, great throw, great, unbelievable throw, threw it open, only place he yeah. could put it. Be like, bro, yeah. what? Hold on, dog. Yeah. That was an amazing catch. <laughs> like, forget yeah, about no, forget it, about that throw. And by by the beginning of the third quarter, Aikman was just like, yeah, this this guy. He probably just wants to say this guy sucks. He sucks. Yeah, if he was talking with he's, his buddies, he'd have been like, yo, this dude is garbage. This dude is, is just hot garbage. Can't hit an open. I mean, these overthrows were incredible. Yo, listen. Incredible. And and I think, and let's highlight this. We're not talking about, you want to know what an overthrow in the NFL looks like? And we're going to get to this play, too. An overthrow in the NFL should look like Carson Wentz to, to Nelson Aguilar. Like, yeah. that's an overthrow. Like, he just missed that. These balls that Trubisky are throwing aren't even remotely close to being even catchable. Forget about being caught or on target. They're not even catchable. Listen, you could have a trampoline out there for these guys to jump off of, and they still wouldn't catch some of these balls. I just don't understand. He just It's just not there, bro. He just doesn't have it, man. He does yeah, he doesn't have – and, again, I don't even see, like, the crazy arm talent from him. It's not – I just – I don't – I need to know. I need to know. And everybody keeps saying, well, you can't just blame Ryan Pace because a lot of scouts had Trubisky as the number one guy. I need to see it. I know. I you keep coming back to that, huh? Arm. I don't even understand. You, you just can't – you can't fathom how they can even see this dude should be picked. <laughs> can't fathom, man. Because, again, I, I, I watch sports, bro. I don't just read about this shit. I right. watch the I prefer to watch the game – and make my own opinion. I don't need to hear from Kuiper. I don't need to hear from McShay. I don't need to hear from Mayock. Yeah. I'll make my own opinion. And I and I watch Deshaun Watson. And I, I will hammer this every day. Not only did we select Mitchell Trubisky ahead of Deshaun Watson, we told the world we cannot fathom a world in which Deshaun Watson is our quarterback. And I don't want to go there, and I'm not going to go there, but you know where I'm going. There's only one thing that makes me think why you didn't draft this guy. That's it. What, 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 what did you see about Watson? Oh, he threw some interceptions in college. I'm sorry. He was playing a high-pressure situation every fucking week. Yeah, big, big, big pressure Bisky, spots. Bisky can't even <laughs> throw an interception. That's the thing about Mitch. He can't even throw a pick. He can't even throw a pick. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, people, that, in Cleveland, people in Cleveland are like, oh, Baker's throwing too many picks. At least he's fucking trying, right? You if said, I was Cleveland, I'd say, you know what? Baker's in a rough spot right now, but there's a lot to work with. He's confident. He's trying to fling that thing. And he just throws a lot of picks. I can live with that. Mitch doesn't even throw an interceptable ball. <laughs> you said he's you know so I mean? inaccurate. He can't even throw it to the other team right now. Can't throw it to the other team, bro. Cannot. So when people are like, oh, well, you know, Cutler this, Cutler that. Again, same thing with Jay. At least he can throw it to somebody. <laughs> Mitch, there's, there's nobody there. There's nobody there but Field. There's the, nobody there but Field. The, the, the biggest... Yeah. The, the like the just to speak on how 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 everything's been going with Mitch is when both the Saints guys went up to pick that unnecessary deep ball he threw to Allen Robinson and they both bumped into each other and, and the ball fell to the ground. It's just like they're just waiting. It's he just can't I'm so speechless, bro. I'm just I'm really sick about the whole play. thing. He can't play, bro. He can't play. He can't play. And this is the thing with Mitch. I was thinking about this this morning. It's like, what's up? You know, it, it, he he can't even be a backup quarterback in this league. Like, if it doesn't work out in Chicago, Mitch Trubisky will not be playing football. Because what do you want from a backup? A guy who can come in and at least like 
knows the playbook. Well, we already know that Mitch isn't that intelligent, right? I'm sorry. Hate to break to everybody. He's not that intelligent, right? We're not trying to do anything complicated with him. It's clear that he's not that intelligent. He lacks confidence. He's not a leader. Like, right, you know, he won't even be a backup, dude. He will be one of those guys that it didn't work out, and he's out of the fucking league. Here's out some, of the league. Here's some audio on Mitch. Out Trub- of the league, bro. Here's some audio Deshaun on Mitch Kaiser. Trubisky. <laughs> Deshaun Kaiser. Here's, uh, here's some audio on Trubisky post-game Sunday type of guys we have we're always going to practice our ass off and uh, put in the work and why it's not translating uh, i don't know you make the plays in practice um and it's just it just comes down to inches within the game if those inches go your way then uh, we're making plays and we're rolling but right now they're not and we're sputtering out on offense and we have no momentum we're not really in sync um but each week even after the frustrating performances on sunday um myself and all the guys and uh, we just come back to work we just working hard. There's no one slouching off. There's no one being lazy in practice. There's no one um, being lazy or, or not caring. These, these guys care, and that's why these losses hurt so bad because we put so much uh, hard work and effort and time into this during the week. So uh, that's why it's tough, but why it's not translating is, I mean, I don't have, I don't have a theory. Just all I know is go back to work and, and make sure that you put all in that work during the week to make sure it translates on Sundays. Just a- Trubisky essentially says... I'm putting in the work with all the guys. I don't know why it's not translating. I don't have an answer to that question, why it's not translating on the field. The answer is you're just not an NFL quarterback. Simple as that. If you go if you go in every week and you go in and bust your ass like you say you are and you're working hard and Nagy's trying to scheme things for you, and it goes well in practice, but in the game, the lights are too bright. It's too much pressure. You can't produce in the spot. And a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of quarterbacks can't. And he's and he's in that basket. He just can't do it. He does, He's not an NFL-caliber quarterback, period, point blank. I think <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm dead ass on this. Of all the day one starters, I think Mitch Trubisky is the worst quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, don't like talk to me about like don't give me like Mason Rudolphs of the world and things like that. I mean, like of the day one guys that started, like he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. I think he might be the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. Like I, I, I can't, again, like yeah, yeah, even with some of these, yeah, exactly. Like I probably take Mason Rudolph over fucking. Mitch you know Trubisky what I mean? Right now. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. Like, it's funny. So, Barstool Sports, who I hate, but they just tweeted this out. Oh, I'm sorry, Redline Radio tweeted it. But they said, you don't know what you got until it's gone. It's a picture of Kyle Orton, Jay Cutler, and Josh McCown. And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, dude, Josh McCown could ball. Solid quarterback. Jay Cutler could ball. Jay Cutler could ball. Kyle Orton wouldn't, would at least hit a receiver if they're open. If you were to go down the list right now and go through – all the quarterbacks, one and twos on every roster. Trubisky might be like 45 on the list, bro. I mean, he's definitely, because, again, like, I can't think of a worse starter in the NFL. I'm just trying to th- think of off the top of my head, like, we know he's worse than Bridgewater Breeze. Like, who who is he worse on, like, starting and, and backup? He's worse than Mariota and Tannehill. I mean, Mariota and Trubisky are very similar, but he's probably worse than Mariota. Yeah. Who is uh, uh? I don't. I, I, mean, to, I mean, who's Washington have Colt McCoy and Case Keenum? I take. I. I would take I'd Keenum. Take fucking Alex Smith. Alex Smith will never play football again, and I'd rather take a chance on Alex Smith coming back in three years than watching Mitch Trubisky play football today. <laughs> All right, here's some of the the backup quarterbacks that we were just referencing. Like, is he is he better than AJ McCarron? Probably not. Brian Hoyer? Probably no, not. We had Brian Hoyer. Yeah, no. Matt Moore? Definitely not. Yeah, Matt Moore sucks. Matt, dude, Matt Moore came in the other night and played solid. Did he? Oh, okay. Well, that's Mo- remember, Mahomes, Mahomes went down. Oh, yeah, Matt Moore is back up yeah, in Kansas City. Yeah, Matt, he's oh, back Matt up in Kansas City. Yeah, like, he, he's I'm better than Mitch Trubisky. Nick Mullins yeah. in, in, in San Francisco? 
He played. Did he win a game last year? Bro, he played a bunch of games last year when yeah. uh, when uh, Garoppolo yeah, tore his ACL. Fine. He was solid. He was fine. Tyrod Taylor. We didn't even got to talk about that. Hey, bro, Tyrod, a legend. Shout dog. out He's Tyrod. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, he's better than Mike Glennon. But yeah, he, we know that. Yeah, he, I mean, he's not better than Geno Smith. Uh, Geno Smith is awful. Yo, shout out Geno. He's not better than Geno. Dude, this guy is so bad, man. He's bad. So, <clears throat> we don't have to get too too crazy down the rabbit hole. But, what is, let me, let's talk about, uh, I know you went down that defensive route. And I know you don't like to talk about that, but that will bring me to one of my points. Akeem Hicks is a massive player, bro, for the Bears. I I knew he was a big-time guy for us and important. He's extremely important. I, I was giving Mac too much credit for a lot of his success, I think. And yesterday opened my eyes to that a ton. We need him in the middle down there to support everybody else. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I'm glad what to I see, tell you last week. Yeah. I'm glad to see you come around. In the trenches, bro. You, build, you build from the line up. That's on defense and on offense. And to piggyback what you said, yeah, I tweeted out the D gave up, but I understand. It's in life when you know the outcome of something it's really hard for you to continue to do the right thing and, and, and do your best at all times, right? Right. Like, this might sound stupid, but it's like, yo, you eat vegetables because you know they're good for you and you're not going to get fat. Like, eating vegetables sucks for most people, but you know the outcome is going to be good. If you're gonna, if you were to eat vegetables and there was a very, very high probability that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be healthy and you would, you would continue to be out of shape. Gee, you're back on the pizza and doing whatever you want to do. You know what I'm saying? There's absolutely no way that as a unit they could go out there and be hyped up about playing D when they know that if they – first off, they gave up – it was 12-10 at half. So like you said, they gave up, they gave up what, 10 points in the first half. And then immediately in the second half, they come out and turn the ball over on O, and they're right. And New Orleans is right back in the red zone. And they're right back on the field. It's it's the same shit every week. They're like, "Yeah, man, enough of this shit, man." Yeah, they're they're done. They're done. So, what was your third piece? That was a three. So I had uh, I had. Oh yeah, the D. Mitch isn't running. What the fuck is Matt Nagy doing? And the defense quit. That's it. You know, again, Nagy. Let me pull this up. What did he say after the game? Oh, my God. It was like Trestman-esque. Uh, what are you telling the guys? Tell the players to put on horse blinders and earmuffs to ignore all the negativity. <laughs> Listen, bruh. You play in the third largest market in the NFL. I don't care how many earmuffs and horse. I don't even know what the fuck a horse blinder is, but that's fine. <laughs> um, you know, put on everything you can. No, nah, man, your players after the game are on social media seeing what happens. Tariq Cohen's out here responding to fans and reports and things like that. Like, they hear all this shit, man. I, that, that's not what we need to be talking about, putting on horse blinders and earmuffs. You need to get in somebody's ass. I've never seen Bill Belichick talk about horse blinders and earmuffs in a day in my life. Ever. Ever. He would say we got our asses kicked. We're going to go into practice. I'm going to fix it. You feel like Nagy's got to – he got to get on some people. He's not doing that enough. Yeah, you need to bust somebody's ass, man. When your team's not playing well, I'm a firm believer of getting in somebody's ass. But that's not you know his I mean? style, like, though. You know what I'm saying? It's fine, It's also different. Tough. It's also different, what? though, just as a player – when you're you know the coach, you know his style. If he were to switch up like that and try to dis he's he's not a disciplinarian, bro. 
It would come off as ingenuine and fake. He needs to have someone else on the staff that's like that. And maybe that was Fangio last year. Maybe we're missing that part. I don't know how much he talked to the offense and, and did that type of thing. But that strong, firm, disciplined guy doesn't seem like he's around for the Bears. Well, he doesn't need to go in there and be Parcells, but I mean, he needs to. You need to start holding guys accountable. You need to. I don't know, man. Again, maybe it's not getting somebody's ass like what you're thinking. Is do you know what like, I'm saying, though? Jump down. But yeah, no, I understand completely what you're saying. But you need to be firm. You need to switch something up because, again, you got half your team is quitting. The other half can't do right, and it's like, where? What do we do here? What do we do here? I mean, I don't know. The other two teams in the division are better than us. Yes, we can beat the Vikings when we play them head up. We will not beat the Green Bay Packers. You can talk about Derek Carr's stupid play all you want to. Fucking Aaron <laughs> Rodgers has six touchdowns. He's clearly figuring out himself within that offense. They spent the first five weeks letting the defense and the running game and all that do their thing. Now Rodgers like, oh, okay, I get it here. I get what LaFleur is trying to get me to do. That is a scary sight. Aaron Rodgers in the cut, that's a scary sight. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying right now? Aaron Rodgers in the cut like Fredo, that is a scary sight, hey, bro. Man down. Like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not it's going. It's so true. It's very true. So, we, you know what I'm saying? So, now he's figured out this offense. That's a problem. Kirk and them seem to be clicking, but, again, it's still Kirk Cousins. I, I got to see it for longer than a couple games, you know, to deem him fixed. But we got some problems there, and we're not going to pick up the wild card. Our only shot is to win this division, which we're not going to do. It's over with. I, I, it's over with. It's done. Go ahead, prove me wrong if you want to. That's fine, but to me, it's done. Yeah, no, I agree that it's done, and we need to start figuring out what we're going to do for the remainder of the year and then figure out our plan for the year after. Because... Yeah. I, I don't see how you can continue with Trubisky. They're talking about him possibly being benched this year. I don't see that happening. But there's absolutely no way that you could come back with this guy next season to play a full 16 games. Something in the offseason is going to have to happen. And it's it's a really tough spot. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But this is how I see it going. Trubisky plays the rest of the year. We win seven games. Something of that sort. We either have to make some type of huge deal. The only way that we can salvage this little era you want to call Pace Nagy is that we get a good quarterback in camp for next season. If we draft someone, first off, I don't know how it would have to be in the second round. If we drafted someone, we then have to bring him in, try to develop him, and make him into a good quarterback. That would essentially burn up a whole another year. Pace and those guys wouldn't make it out of that. They would get fired, and then we'd have to really reset. And then we'd end up looking back at this as that uh, a one that one playoff run that we made with, of course, the same old story, a crazy D, and we squandered it, and now we're trying to rebuild again. We always talked about how much this was on Trubisky's shoulders. Pace put all his eggs in the, in the Trubisky basket, and and it's looking like it was a really really bad move, or it wasn't. I don't, I don't even. I hate how I always try to like at the end sugarcoat it, dude. It was a bad move. That's simple as that. Yeah, so there's no, yeah, there's no sugarcoating it. This is where I, we're I, at. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. We've had a, we had some interesting conversations in the group chat about quarterbacks. I couldn't. There's I. I don't even. I don't know who I want, but I. I need someone that's proven that can win games right now, next season. Whether that be Cam Newton, Nick Foles, whoever that is, don't go get me another bullshit quarterback. Well, we're not gonna be able to afford Nick Foles. We're not going to be able to afford those guys, man. I, I don't. I, we still got to. We got to pay many members of this defense this offseason. So, like you said, our eggs are in Bro, the basket. Fuck that! Everything is needs to be focused on the quarterback. That is the but number one. That is the number one priority. I don't. I don't want to hear about signing defensive players. I don't want to hear about anything but going to get a quarterback first. 
That's what needs to be addressed first, period, point blank. Then we then we patch up things like Prince of Mukamore is gonna he, he we're gonna need another cover corner. That's that's how I see it. We're gonna need another edge rusher. Leonard Floyd is not the answer. So there's a lot of things that we're gonna have to patch up and 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 replace. But the quarterback starts first, bro. I mean, so, I hope we get it. <laughs> do you mean, know what I, I mean? Don't see, I don't see any path to a quarterback. Yeah, that I mean that's the tough thing, but that's we don't if if you were getting paid the money that pace was being paid, you better find one. Cause that's your job. Well, yeah. You smoked and off Trubisky. Given- so I I know we don't see a path to a quarterback, and there's not really a clear path, but you better find one. Cause that's yeah, the only guy, option that we have. The, the two that the two that he's found for us are awful. So I don't trust him to do it. He, evalu- he evaluated uh, uh, what's-his-face as a starter, um, what's the Mike Glennon, the neck, and he evaluated <laughs> as, as the best, as the second-best player in the draft and the best cornerback coming out that year. So, again, I don't know. And, and, again, don't tell me what everybody else said. I just care about what Nagy thought. I'm not – I'm sorry, not Nagy Pace thought. So, I don't want to – you know, it, it's just – it is what it is, man. I, I already knew – I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I didn't want to be – I didn't want to be Mr. Negativity. I didn't want to do all that, but it it, it, it reminds me so much of that Tressman from year one to year two. Because remember, everybody was like, oh, shit, okay, yeah. year one, it's kind of like Tressman 101. But, man, next year, Jay Cutler with the Mark Tressman offense is going to be awesome. And what they do, they took a big old dump. And it's the same thing. It's like, oh, we're going to get better, man. You know, Mitch fucking backdoored his way into a Pro Bowl last year just because everybody else was fucking still playing. Um, and oh, he's gonna be great, and we're gonna be good. And you just can't assume these things. Yeah, and I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Vegas I, knew it too. Yeah, I was ahead of the curve last year when we were really good going into the year. I was try- I was trying to get you to come around, and we were gonna be a good team, and we were a good team. And I, I fell into the trap this year that it was just gonna be a shoe in that we finally got an offensive guy that could get things going. And it's just not the case. Quick, we'll leave it there, man. Um, let's hop on Thursday too. Talk about this Chargers game. That's a game we could win. My man Ricky O'Donnell, SB Nation, hopping on the No Catch Up hotline to talk some Bulls. What's going on, man? Long time no talk. What's going on? It's good to hear from you. I'm glad to hear. I know we were texting uh, yesterday about the hoop session. I'm glad to hear you made it through the pickup in one piece. We're draining threes. I feel it. I love it. You know, once you hit a certain age, it's really just about staying healthy and hitting some outside shots. And I, basketball. I, absolutely right. I tweet. Uh, I didn't tweet it, but I I posted on my Instagram story the other day. I uh, I played for my first time in a while, and I said, if I can get ten rebounds, two pull up threes, miss or make, and get out of there with two ACLs, it's a big W. So yeah, no doubt. <laughs> love that. Love that checklist. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, let's talk about the Bulls. I feel an overwhelming positive vibe going into the season. Is that am I feel am I getting that feeling and do you have that same feeling and are you getting that same feeling from the city as me? Yeah, it's strange, right? Because the conversation around the Bulls is always so negative, particularly the last 3 or 4 years. There's so much optimism heading into this season and I think it's because the team dramatically improved not just what's going to be their results, but also the process, right? Like all of the things that seem to be holding back the balls from the front office's perspective over the last five years totally changed course over the one over the course of one offseason. We went from giving Jabari Parker $20 million to play small forward in a move that everyone knew wasn't going to work uh, when they made it to now signing three kind of analytics darlings and Thomas Sadoransky, Thaddeus Young, Luke Cornett. You add in the trade for Otto Porter last year. He only played 15 games for the Bulls, but he looked great during that time. I think a full season of Porter, the three free agent additions, I think the Bulls just basically doubled their number of good players on the team from this time last year. And I think it finally has some positivity uh, going through the fan base. I think that's a big thing that you mentioned was just direction. We've been begging for direction. Not a lot of fluff that, hey, 
we're no, we can still compete in the East. We can do this and do that. And we're in a rebuild, but we're not. And we're not rebuilding, but we are. It's just give us clear direction. And I think that's the biggest thing that we have now. And with that direction, Thad Young, Sadoransky, the the Porter deal, all that stuff coming together, is it's just a recipe for optimism. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, and then even extending beyond that, it's like previously the Bulls' thought process was so poor that even if they struck gold on some draft picks or you know actually connected on a free agent signing, you just always had a sense that it was going to fall apart because of the game plan and because of the thought process around the team building. For example, what they've done this year by overhauling sort of the shot distribution in the preseason I think is fantastic. I think that's going to set up Zach Levine for a gigantic season. Now, Levine was good last year, but he took a lot of mid-range shots. His three-point rate wasn't very high. He was able to get to the foul line. This year, I think you're going to see that three-point rate go way up. I think you're going to see the Bulls play much, much faster than they did, especially initially under Jim Boylan. You get some transition threes. Levine's athleticism and shooting touch is going to be even more dangerous. And I think just creating an infrastructure with veterans who know how to play on both ends of the floor, like Thaddeus Young, like Sadoransky, really just surrounds the current young core of this team with the supporting cast they need to thrive. You mean New Edge basketball are going to be playing? I think that's actually <laughs> what we're looking at. And, you know, Sounds like New Edge basketball, yeah. Yeah, credit the Bulls for hiring Chris Fleming, for hiring Roy Rogers, overhauling their assistants, and really making like solid analytical shot distribution one of their biggest points of emphasis coming into the season. We saw the results in the preseason, and in some of those games, the Bulls looked really great. Yeah, I mean, we're favored in game one at Charlotte on Wednesday night. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to see what goes on here. Speaking of shot distribution, this is one of the questions I wanted to talk to you about. Where do you see, because, I mean, the preseason's one thing and the regular season's another, especially when games start going, maybe wins or losses start piling up on how we're playing. And say, say Zach, like you said, and I agree with you, he comes out, has a monster year, and we start winning ball games. We're not, we, just human nature, people don't want to change a lot of things. When things are going well, let's not touch anything, right? On the shot, on the shot distribution piece, where do you see Lori kind of falling into that that mix? Because we we always have that conversation where he need, we we see him being a 2010 guy, and we also have that same vision of he's kind of just a passive dude overall. Where do you see him, and and how many shots do you think he should be getting? Yeah, it's really interesting because coming into this season, I would have said that I wanted Markinen to lead the team in field goal attempts, ideally, just to see if he could be that type of go-to primary offensive option to carry you on that end. That's not going to happen this season. I think what Levine showed in the preseason is that he's going to be the dude with the ball in his hands. He's going to be the one who's putting up big numbers. I would like to see Levine make it a point of emphasis to get Markinen more involved because Levine's going to be running the pick and rolls and the isolations. He should try to take some pride in getting the marketing going because that's only going to open up his own offense, especially with marketing shooting impact, you know, potentially opening up some driving space for Levine to the hole. So uh, I think it's a big question in the preseason marketing was only taking 10 or 11 shots a game. Uh, he was essentially taking less than Otto Porter, which is pretty surprising. I think that, you know, his career still has a lot of different potential outcomes. I don't think he's, definitely a multiple-time all-star. I, I certainly don't think he's a bust, but there's a lot of room in between those two options. Uh, I would like to see marketing contribute on the defensive end more. I'd like to see him continue to hold his own as a rebounder. And if that happens, I think the ball's just going to find him in advantage opportunities because he's seven feet tall, because he can shoot. Uh, is he a star or a role player? We don't really know yet. I think that that's one of the questions that hopefully this season will help determine. And I would like to see Levine make it a point of pride to get him more involved. See, this is that's where, and I agree with you, but this is where I have a problem. Like, I hate to hear the ball's just going to find him because we've seen that that hasn't been the case in the past, right? And I think, just like you said, it would be a very big positive for Levine to get him involved because then less attention on him opens up more options, more more opportunity for, for him to get to the cup, get to the foul line, et cetera. I'm, it makes me nervous when I hear, because I was talking to a bunch of different people about this, 
that the ball will find him. It'll it, he'll just get there and, and get his opportunities. Especially with how I hear Levine talking, he's going to be the man this year. How I've seen it in the preseason, he's going to be the man this year. He wants to be the man, and he probably deserves to be the man. Right? I, I just don't want. Laurie to be so passive and, and almost just fade, fade, fade away. Because I think he does, if he can get a little push and support from, from uh, I mean, I guess Zach, Sadoransky, and Kobe, who are going to be running point, that can just almost force, like, hey, man, get some shots up. Let's do it. I, it. It makes me nervous if we have to worry about him finding the rock because I've seen in the past that that hasn't gone very well. Yeah, and it's a unique problem the Bulls have because, let's be honest, there aren't a lot of players throughout NBA history who are like Markkinen. Seven feet tall, elite shooter, but he's not the type of guy who can really create offense for himself off the bounce. Like You're not going to give it to him on the perimeter, True. let him dribble between his legs four times, and let him drive to the hoop or hit you with a step back. Most of the time last year, he was set up by his teammates to score 68% of his field goals made last year came off an assist. If you look at all the guys that made the all-star team last year, only Nikola Vucevic on the magic had a higher percentage of his makes assisted last year. So what that tells me is the teammates need to make it a point of emphasis to set up marketing. Like he's not a guy who's going to be running ISOs. He's seven feet tall. It's not his game, but he does have a really intriguing skill set that I think should make everyone else around him better. Uh, especially, you know, if he starts to develop some real shooting gravity, which we haven't seen the first two years because he only hit 36% of his threes in each of those two years. If he gets that number up to 43, 44, which I believe he can do, I think he is that type of talent as an outside shooter. Uh, the the space that's going to open up for everyone else is going to be tremendous. So to me, Markkinen, not a perfect player, still can be really good, but not going to create his own offense as much as someone who's going to be a finisher. Uh, and I, I hope his teammates recognize that and try to get him involved more often this year. Yeah, I think that's going to be that's going to be the biggest thing that I'm going to be looking for because Zach, the way he's talking, the way he's playing, and his skill set, he's going to get his like. He he has a real strong opportunity to punch a punch an all star ballot this year, no doubt. So that that's the one of the the key things uh, that I'm going to be looking for, and that leads me into my next point. Let's talk Kobe White. Thoughts? Yeah, I did not anticipate that he would be this effective right away. Yeah. I thought that he would honestly be behind. Archie Diacono and Dunn in the rotation, which might sound crazy to some people, but he's a 19 year old guard you can look throughout nba history 19 year old guards don't have a big track record of success uh i think that his game is mostly going to be dependent on his off the dribble shooting ability and his catch and shoot shooting ability so that's a little scary because we know that shots some days they're going to fall some days they're not but here's the thing the guy literally just averaged 20 points a game over the nba preseason he was eighth in the entire preseason in points per game his last game against the hawks was some straight up Ben Gordon vintage vintage. (laughs) hitting six of eight threes. He was pushing the ball in transition and just popping the three, which I love to see that, you know, when we were growing up that the transition three was considered a terrible shot, but now that's how you open everything else up for your teammates. And that's how you really, you know, turn games into a blowout quickly. I think Kobe's going to add that dimension right away, but he struggled in, summer league because his shots weren't going in he struggled early in the preseason because his shots weren't going in so here's my thing with kobe he's got to make the shots and he also needs to find a way to make himself an effective contributor when he's not taking 20 shots a game in the preseason he took 22 shots in one game he took 16 shots in one game it's just hard for me to believe that the guy's going to be shooting the ball 15 times in the regular season because there's a lot of other dudes that need to get their field goal attempts exactly right auto be it marketing. So Kobe's got to find a way he can like use his speed, use, you know, his defensive competitiveness and his outside shooting to make an impact. Uh, even when the shots aren't falling. I think the biggest thing for me was the pace. I just love to see the pace, get out, push the ball. And he wasn't afraid to take the jumpers, miss or make. He, he was ready to go. So yeah, I agree with a ton of what you're saying, but the biggest thing that jumped out to me was the pace. If he can get out, push it, that's the thing, and I know this sounds so cliche and all, all the coaches say it, but as a fan, this is what I love to see. Mistake or good play or not, go out there and try to make a play. 
Go out there and push the ball. Be aggressive. So, I mean, th- that was the, the biggest thing I was excited about. But, yeah, it's he's another interesting situation because, obviously, Sadoransky's come over. The point guard situation for us is going to be interesting because Ryan's going to get minutes purely because Boylan loves him. And he's a, solid, he's a solid PG, right? So, I'm interested to see if his talent is just too much and his pace and his shooting ability is just too much to ignore to where those minutes start to rise exponentially early in the season. Well, what's dope about Kobe and what I always liked about him is you could play him at the point or the two, right? So, like, you want to get him minutes at point guard eventually to start to develop those facilitating sensibilities. But he can also play with Sadoransky. He can also play with Chris Dunn and just give you some catch-and-shoot outside shooting. Uh, and the point about his speed, I think he's immediately going to be one of the 10 or 15 fastest players in the NBA uh, from his rookie year. You look at what he did at North Carolina. Carolina has a history of always playing fast. They have never played faster since 2000 than they did last year. That was with Kobe White at the controls. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it jumps off the it jumps off the television when you're watching. It's like, yo, this dude is moving out here. So that's one thing I'm definitely looking forward to. Let's talk defense which will then leak into Wendell Carter Jr. How much better do you think will be defensively and how much of that will be impacted by Wendell Carter? Yeah, so I got some stats. Last year they were 25th in defense and 29th in offense. The last time the Bulls have had a better offense than defense per 100% possessions efficiency was 2009. That was the season they ended up playing the Celtics in that epic first-round battle, D-Rose's rookie year. So basically the Bulls are a better defensive team than offensive team every season. I think that changes this year. I think they're going to be a better offensive team than a defensive team because they just have that type of personnel. Defensively, I do think they're going to have some issues, but – Man, the veteran additions through free agency and with Otto at the trade really help them out in terms of their defensive infrastructure. Uh, I loved what I saw from Chris Dunn in the preseason finale. I said he was defending like it was Game 7 of the NBA Finals in the preseason. That's the type of dog mentality he needs to have coming into the year. Uh, I do wonder a bit, just in lineups where Levine and Markkinen are both on the floor, uh, you know, can they consistently get stops if other teams are putting them in a pick and roll? That's what teams are going to do. That's what teams did last year. It was hard for the Bulls to build a uh, reliable defense. I also liked what I saw from Bull, uh, uh, Boylan going all offense and all defense lineups individually in the preseason. Sometimes going with the Cornette marking in front court with Levine going a five out shooting look. Sometimes putting Thad Young and Wendell Carter Jr. to really try to fortify the defense. I think that they actually have some more pieces they can mix and match this year, play around with options, see what sticks, see what doesn't. In general, I think the defense is most likely to be weaker than the offense. Uh, If they could be around 20 in the NBA this year, I think that that would probably be a successful season after 25 last year. Uh, We'll see what Boylan and Rodgers can cook up for him in terms of scheme to try to allow that to happen. Absolutely. I mean, it's an offensive league, but you know, at, at times there's going to have to. There's, it always comes down to, to trying to get a stop in in close games and doing all and doing all that type of stuff, especially with the young guys. And Levine is going to be. I think he's just going to be putting in so much volume on the offensive end that the defense is just not going to be there for him. And they are going to be putting him and Laurie in pick and roll. So that'll be interesting. We'll see. Twenty seventh last year in defensive rating at one hundred thirteen point eight. I'm gonna. We'll close it here, Rick. What is the best case? We're gonna leave it on a positive note. We're not even gonna ask what the worst case scenario is or anything like that. Best case scenario for the Bulls this year. So last year they won 22 games. If we're talking about them making the playoffs this year, they're essentially, you know, winning 20 more games this season. I think last year the seven and eight seed were in the low 40s and wins. So I think that's the best case scenario for the Bulls. I think probably a seven seed. Uh, is likely the you know the best case scenario. I'd even hear an argument for the sixth seed if they stay healthy and if other teams get hurt, uh, and certainly that that could be on the table. So I, I actually think the Bulls are going to make the playoffs. There's an opportunity in the Eastern Conference. Some of the teams they're going against, like Detroit. You look at Detroit's wing rotation; they're starting Tony Snell. Man, Detroit's got no chance <laughs> with those wings. So. Yeah. Uh, I like the Bulls to make the playoffs this year. I think people who have followed my writing uh, are probably shocked to hear that, but 
to me, the Bulls changed the process first, and now they're going to change the results because of that. And I'm really uh, happy with what they've done as a fan this offseason. Rick, my man, we'll leave it there. Bulls start Wednesday night at Charlotte. Let's get a W, man. I think so. All right, Rick, I'll talk to you soon. Always love to have my guy Ricky on the show. We're going to leave it there. Bears got to pick it up. Bulls kick it off on Wednesday. Tomorrow, make sure you lock in. Also, make sure you subscribe to the pod, No Catch Up, Sports Talk via Chicago, at No Catch Up Chicago everywhere, Instagram, iTunes, Spotify. Make sure you tell your homies, lock in.